I want to pivot today away from the mission work of the church, which is where we've been, and we've been studying that for the last four weeks. And I really want us to begin a new series today on bearing fruit in our lives. And uh, in many ways, this may be a little bit of a shock to the system because we've been talking about doing and now we're going to talk about being. And, and you need both in your life. Uh, someone once said that a good disciple has to be something before uh, they know, you, you be, know, and do. You be something, you learn something, you know about it, and then you go and do it. And we've kind of been focused on that, that doing aspect of the mission, and it's very important. But being in who we are in Christ and being unified in Christ with the Holy Spirit is really important. Uh, when you think about the scriptures, I know like me, you, you find all the time these agricultural references, aren't there? I mean, and if you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because certainly in the time in which the scriptures were written, I mean, it's an agricultural economy. I mean, everyone would have understood that. It wouldn't have been lost on any of them. And, and that shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, and even really up until this last kind of century, Everyone in the United States was at least somewhat familiar with this. I mean, if you had lived through some of the world wars, you knew about victory gardens and things like that. I mean, people were just familiar with the changing of the seasons and what it was like. Maybe today, if the Lord was going to start fresh and write the Bible for us today, maybe you would talk about mining for bitcoins and social media and those types of things. And I hope you won't take me out and hang me for that by saying I know that the Lord wrote the Bible perfectly for us as he did. Uh, and I think it's important for us to see that because um, maybe it doesn't quite ring true when you say whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap in Bitcoin. It, do it doesn't work. But when we think about it in terms of an agricultural uh, illustration for us, it's really important. And so many of them in the scripture actually deal with the idea of bearing fruit. It's important for us to see that. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, we asked you to examine your life in regards to a passage of scripture and, and turn that in on a survey. Maybe you did, maybe you missed that in our Thursday email. We asked you to look back at Galatians chapter five and look at the fruit of the spirit and rate yourself on what you believe are your current strengths in those things and, and where you feel like you were lacking a little bit and uh, what you said was kind of insightful. Uh, as individuals, your leading responses in weakness were that we're lacking in patience and self-control. That's what you said about yourselves. But you said we think we identify kindness and faithfulness as some of our individual strengths. And, and really, faithfulness was tied with love. So you could have you taken those three. But then we asked you to think about it as a church. And we asked you to think about what does the church have as a strength? What does the church have as a weakness? And, and what you said uh, as a weakness for the church was faithfulness and patience. Now that's interesting because as individuals, you said you're very faithful, but your church is unfaithful. It's, it's just interesting. It's something for us to consider and think about, isn't it? Uh, these things as we perceive them, right? But, but you also said uh, that your church uh, was weak in a little bit of patience. You said the strength of the church overwhelmingly was love and kindness. Now, what's funny about these things is that if you're lacking in patience, you're probably not very kind. Think about it. 
Let that, let that just kind of, you know, if you're not a patient person at work, you're probably not identified as the kind person at work, right? So there might be a little bit of a disconnect for us. And I think this is where this starts to, to really take place in our lives and become very important is, is this idea of bearing fruit. Interestingly, we asked the staff to, to rate the church before we asked you to do that. And the staff said that they felt like uh, the, the need for joy and peace really permeated what we needed as a church. I think that's not unusual for the times in which we're living. And Jesus used the idea of bearing fruit to fully describe the way that we get to know people. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. Look at, at Matthew chapter seven and verse 20. It'll be on the screen, some of these verses. We're gonna be in Romans, so just hang with me for a minute. But it said, you'll recognize them by their fruit. That's what Jesus said, the, the outworking of your life leads us to a recognition of who you really are, right? I mean, you, you can't be separated from the type of fruit that you bear into who you really are. In Galatians, we describe our lives as bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and there's these nine characteristics given. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A similar list found in Ephesians chapter five describes bearing the fruit of light, Philippians and Hebrews use the term bearing the fruit of righteousness in our lives. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews says that you begin to bear the fruit of righteousness in your life when God disciplines you and you go through periods of suffering. So this idea of bearing fruit is found throughout the New Testament. In fact, in John, there's this idea that Jesus tells us the secret to bearing fruit is actually the closeness of our relationship to him. You may be familiar with the passage. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit, right? The, the idea of, of fruit bearing is tied to our union with Christ. So I wanna begin today in Romans chapter six. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join with me there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen in just a second. I always encourage you to bring your Bible and and not just rely on the screen. It'll be good for you when you go to Life Group to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love to give you one. And we have those at the Next Steps desk. And there's no gimmick. We'll just give you a Bible. We want you to have a Bible. It's important for us to have the Word of God. But Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7 really are a parenthesis in the middle of the book of Romans. I mean, if you think about it, Paul has been talking about how we're all lost. And he, he's kind of been getting there, talking about how it's, it's not just the, the Jews that are lost, but also the Gentiles that are lost. And then he's gonna come back to how we're saved and, and how God's gonna bring about righteousness through the Jews and, and all these kinds of things. But chapter six and seven really serve as a parenthesis for us. So I wanna read verse 21 of Romans chapter six, and we'll finish in verse 23, but leave your Bibles open. So what fruit was produced then from the things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of these things or those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Throughout chapter six, if we were to go back and read it from the beginning, Paul has been contrasting for the church in Rome the, the life lived in the flesh 
with a life lived in the faith or the spirit. And broadly, when we talk about the fruit that's produced from our lives, we need to think of it in terms of the yield of our lives. Maybe that's not a term that you, you think about very often, but a couple of weeks ago, I got to see this very clearly with my own eyes. We have some missionaries and residents living in our mission home, uh, the Leach family, and Kyle is working over at Cultivate Ministries, which is uh, a ministry that was started over in the Ellington Agricultural Center. It's right behind the church here, just a couple of miles. And if you go there, uh, you, you see that they took this kind of field that was down in the bottom by the creek and they've turned it into an agricultural experience that's incredible where they're teaching people sustainable uh, crop growing and they're teaching them all kinds of, of things to do with agriculture, but they're also giving people sustainable jobs so they can get, then get a skill. And a lot of the folks that are working there are coming right out of prison. And when they get there, one of Kyle's job is to disciple these folks. It's not just to teach them this, but, but we went into a greenhouse and he was showing us all these tomato plants. And he was talking about the number of pounds that these tomato plants will produce in a year. That's the yield, right? I mean, that, that, that's what happens when you think about the yield of the fruit. And, and the yield of your life shows up in what you produce. And, and I couldn't help but think about it because one of the great questions that maybe we should answer as we talk about bearing fruit is really what kind of yield are we producing or, or simplify it even to this, what kind of fruit are you producing? When you talk about the, the fruit, is it good fruit? Is your fruit that, that comes out of your life, is, is it never quite ripening? I mean, is it, is it never quite good? Is it, is it rotted because there's some disease on the plant in your life? You know, I mean, is your life diseased right now with sin? Is, I mean, like, what kind of fruit are you producing? And if you, if you aren't sure, ask your closest friends, ask your spouse. They'll tell you because Jesus said you're known by it. You can't hide it, but for so long, right? I mean, who you are actually comes out eventually. And that, that's what happens here. For the spiritual person to understand what it means for us to be bearing fruit, let's go back and look at verse 21 and, and see what he says because he says that there were fruit that was produced from things we're now ashamed of, that, that we wish wouldn't have happened. And the outcome of those things, he says, is death. And, and what Paul's referencing are things from our former lives. Remember that in, in the Corinthian letter, he says, for any man or woman who's in Christ, all the things are new. Everything that was old has passed away. That, that, that's gone. And so there's always a contrast between what was and what is for the believer. And he says, there were things that you produced in your life that, that produced a fruit that was death and things that you were ashamed of. And I think oftentimes some, we, we, we might look back on the things that were in our past life and incorrectly, by the way, we kind of think of those things fondly. I mean, some, sometimes you'll hear people who were, who were caught up in a partying lifestyle talk about it as, as if it was really fond. And, and if you were ever around in the eighties, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because that was all the testimonies you ever heard. Somebody would get up and they would talk for 30 minutes about how their life was a complete wreck and then say, and Jesus changed me, amen, and sit down. It was like, maybe there should be more emphasis on the part Jesus has changed than on what we were, right? I mean, because there's a, there's a big part of our lives that when we look back on, Paul says we're ashamed of that because it was the fruit that was leading to death. What would we be ashamed of? I don't know. 
I hear people oftentimes say like, I don't have any regrets over my life. Hmm, that's an incorrect statement for a believer to make, isn't it? I know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called him according to his purpose and he can use those things as part of our testimony to reach people. But, but when we look back at sin, how could we ever say that we don't regret those things? Because when we look back through the lens of our lives and, and we see Christ, we see that very clearly we weren't meant to live with sinful habits and actions. And, and that's an important thing for us to say. Because look at verse 23 again. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you look back at your life without Christ, what you see that you were earning is death. And you may not have thought about it like this, but I want you to think about backing up to the pay counter, you know, at work and getting that check. And, and what it says is death. You know, it doesn't say life on it. And, and I often think about maybe you remember your first paycheck. I certainly remember mine because I, I had a job uh, working for an air conditioning company that tested air conditioners here in town when I was in high school. And, and they were paying me $5.55 an hour, which, by the way, was about $1.25 more than the minimum wage at the time. I thought I was rich. Now I can't imagine working for $5.55, right? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you, you earned that. And I knew that if I worked overtime, I got more money. You remember how that works, right? I mean, you remember those first days you got that first paycheck. You're so proud of that. You're so excited about it. And in my life, that was the first money I'd ever received that had not come from my parents, like giving me an allowance or doing chores. I had earned it. I had, I had worked hard in the week to get that. And when they paid me, there, there was a measure of pride there. What the scripture says is, our lives before Christ, what was happening is, we were earning death. We, we were earning something that was incredibly destructive to us. Uh, the Bible says it's death. It's not just that, that it was death in our physical bodies. We're all going to experience that. But it was death in our spiritual bodies because the wages of sin being death meant that we would be separated from God in all eternity. Now, a lot of people will tell you when you talk to them about their status with the Lord, they'll say things like, I mean, I just try to be a good person. It's just about loving one another. It's just about, about being kind to one another. It's just, and that, that's all good things to do. And as a believer, certainly you should be a good person. You should be kind to people. We should love people. But that's not what, what's going to earn our way in heaven. We can't earn it that way because without Christ in our lives, we have no hope of that. And that's the beauty of the end of verse 23. The, the start of verse 23 is, is really terrible. The wages of sin is death. But the end is beautiful. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't earn salvation. You can't buy it. You'll never be good enough to achieve it. But you can receive it as a gift from the Lord. It's given to us not on our merit, not on anything we could do, but on the merit of the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came and died for us. And so what Paul is saying here is there's a gift. Now, now when it talks about a gift, I often remind you of this when we come to Christmas and we get to this verse, is that a gift is no good if you don't receive it. If I leave a gift on your porch and you don't ever bring it in the house and it gets ruined and, and ultimately it's discarded because it got weather beaten and whatnot and you just decided it wasn't worth bringing in after a couple of weeks and you throw it away. It's, it's no good. The gift wasn't received. In a similar way, maybe you could take that gift in the home and you could know all about it. You could, 
You could appreciate the poor wrapping job that I did on it because I'm 45 years into this. I still can't wrap very well. My edges are not very good. There's always crinkled paper and I'm never really good at tying bows. I have to get the stick on. Do you know what I mean? It just makes it safe there. And you could know about that and and you could know the size and the dimension and you could rattle it and, and you could feel the heft of it and the weight of it and maybe be able to describe that to me. But if you never open it, you've never received it. A lot of people know about the Lord. A lot of people know about Jesus. They've never received Jesus and the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus our Lord as a gift. Jesus said it was easy to earn death and it's actually hard to receive eternal life. And in many ways, that's what Romans 6 and 7 is talking about. It's what Jesus described in Matthew chapter 7 when he said you'll know them by their fruit. He was talking about these two, two ways that people walk on. I, I want to just read it for you in Matthew 7 and verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Now, a lot of times, we like to believe that these roads are compatible in some ways, but Jesus says they're not. He, he says the, 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 the narrow way has nothing to do with the broad way, and the broad way has nothing to do with the narrow way. They're, they're not compatible, and if we think they're compatible, we're really just fooling ourselves because they don't mix. They're actually like oil and water. If, if, if you try to make it doesn't work. They separate. The flesh and the spirit have nothing to do with one another. So when he talks about, in Romans 6, this idea of the flesh producing death, And the outcome of that being things we're ashamed of and and, and things that we're separated from, it's really important that we see the fruit of our lives cannot be produced in the flesh. It won't happen. It's only produced by the Spirit operating and working in our lives. In fact, this idea of it being something we're ashamed of, so important. Because, I mean, who's ever proud of the result of a lie? Who's ever proud? No, I mean, you don't stand up and go, you know what, I am untrustworthy unfaithful and proud of it. You can't trust me as far as you can throw me. Nobody says that. Nobody brags about that. No, nobody's excited about that. Nobody ever stands up and says, you know what, I'm proud of how I really hurt my friend and cut them to the core. I, I, I'm really proud of, of how I damaged my relationship with my spouse. Those are things that we're ashamed of. That's the fruit of the flesh, the outworking of sin. The Bible says that we sow things and we'll reap those things. And if we sow to the flesh, we reap from the flesh. If we sow to the spirit, we reap from the spirit. And the important thing is to realize that the only way for us to bear fruit is for our character to be formed in our union with Christ. We'll not be formed separated from Christ. We'll come back to that in a minute, but I don't want you as a believer to miss that because you can be a believer and not be as close as you need to be to the Lord Jesus Christ to be bearing fruit. It's the the closeness of our relationship, the closeness of the union that we have with Christ and the producing of fruit by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so if we're going to produce good fruit, it can't be from the flesh, it's gotta be from the Spirit. And so that's gonna be a direct result of how unified we are with Christ and the Holy Spirit. You have your Bibles open, let's look at Romans chapter seven. In verse four, Paul outlines this clearly by saying, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law 
through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear the fruit of death. But now we've been released from the law since we've died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. And what he's indicating through this passage is that there's something deeper for us than just being saved. And I want to just make sure that, that you hang out here with me for a second because a lot of times what we believe is that the end goal is just being saved. But that's not it. I mean, that's great that you're saved. I mean, I I don't know about you, but like benefit number one, being saved. I don't have to worry about hell anymore. Amen, anybody? Right, that's great. But, But much like we often talk about in giving, you know, tithing in giving is not the goal. That, that's, that's the minimum, right? So when you grow in giving, it's not to say, I'm growing in tithing. No, that's, that's the command. What takes us beyond that's really impressive, right? As God begins to grow our faith in giving. Well, think about it with me for just a second in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The goal here is what he's saying is, is not just that you would be saved. Why did he save you? So that you would bear Fruit. There's a purpose to it that's deeper than that. I mean, certainly God wants us to be in relationship with him, and that's great. I mean, uh, he created us and designed us to be in relationship with him. But the purpose of that is so that we would bear fruit. I think the cooler weather that we've experienced over the last few days maybe has us thinking about the change of seasons. And I, for one, love this season of life because you know what's about to happen if you like fruit. What's about to happen? Apples, right? October's apple picking season. It gets really, really good. Pears. You know, right now you buy a pear at the store, you gotta let that thing sit for two weeks at your house before you touch it. You'll break a tooth on it, right? You know, you gotta let it, you gotta let it ripen up a little bit. But that's about to change. It's about to be very different, isn't it? It's gonna, it's gonna be ripe. And, and maybe you've gone to an apple orchard and, and, and you've, you've experienced, you know, being able to pick some fresh apples and those kinds of things. You know, a guy who owns an apple orchard doesn't plant those trees so that you'll think they're beautiful. That is not the point. I mean, an apple tree without apples is just a tree. The purpose is behind it is so that when you go there, there's something to pick, there's something to enjoy. There's a bounty that is produced by it. We were lost before we met Christ. The scripture says that the flesh and sinful passions of our lives were working in us to bear the fruit of death. It's the imagery, isn't it, of picking a piece of fruit and biting into it and it not being ripe or it being, uh, it being bad or rotted and, and you, just, you just think, this isn't good, it's gross. You know, and, and I'm sure you've had that experience, you know? And most often, I, I feel like at our house it happens, does anybody else feel this way, that buying grapes is the biggest gamble of your life? Right? Sometimes you get them and they're so good. I just feel like, like you want to be at the store like picking them, like eating. Like, can you do that? I don't know if you can do that. But, but you know, you bring them home and you, you bite them. They're like, they're sour. They're not sweet. or what. Nobody enjoys that. It, it's gross. So what's the scripture saying? In our lives, there were these things that were detestable that we were ashamed of. And now our lives should be marked by something different. It should be in bearing fruit that's in keeping with our namesake as Christians with Jesus Christ. 
that signals for us a total transformation of who we are because we're different because the fruit which comes out of our lives should be different. It should be different for everyone to be able to see that. It, It shouldn't be confusing for them. No one should be around us and go, man, the fruit of their lives is so bitter. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's not ripe. It's diseased. Well, how do we get there? I don't want you to run past this and miss it this morning. The fruit of our lives has to be consistent with the character of Christ. That's what this is. Bearing fruit is is when your life starts to match up with the character of Christ. So it's not just claiming his name, which we all do. Who claim, you know, as Christians, we claim the name of Christ. That's great. But it's something deeper than that. It's that your life is being conformed into the character of Christ. I want you to look back at verse 22 of chapter 6, where we started. But now, since you've been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God. Don't run past that. You had no choice before, but when Christ came in your life, you were set free from the law of sin. You don't have to sin. Let's be very clear about that. You don't have to sin. We choose to do it, right? I mean, we don't have to do it anymore. We're set free from that law. We're enslaved to God. And notice what he says. You have your fruit, which results in the sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. Well, that's totally different than what it was because the previous fruit of our life was death and damnation, separation from God and eternity. And now he says, we used to, let me me finish that thought for just a second, this idea of, of, of death and separation, but also that we were ashamed of it. And now he says, we have our fruit and it's different than that and it really involves sanctification. It wasn't something before that we put on display, we tried to hide it. But sanctification now is part of our lives. This is a word that just simply means your life becoming more like Christ, sanctified, holy. That your life is, is starting to reflect the character of Christ. And he says the second thing of that is, is not just sanctification, but the outworking of that is eternal life. It's totally changed. You're not separated from God anymore, but you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so there's been a massive change in your life. If I could ask you this morning, as the listeners of this message, to answer two questions, it would be these. Number one, what kind of fruit are you bearing? If you're not bearing spiritual fruit, is it because you're saved and there's something that's keeping you from doing that? Is there... Is there open sin in your life that is keeping you from bearing the fruit that you need to bear? Or is it because you're not saved? Because the scripture says that what we earn by being not saved, remember, is is that we earn death and destruction and and broken fellowship. And that this is a gift that must be received. Uh, Eternal life comes through Christ Jesus who died for us because here we are earning death and it's a debt that we cannot pay. And Jesus comes and is the perfect sacrifice and pays the debt for us. That's why it's a gift. You can't earn it. And I'd love for you just to consider the question this morning, are are you saved? Has there ever been a time in your life where you're certain that you have received eternal life from Christ Jesus? And, and, And don't tell me, yes, I've been a Baptist all my life. That has nothing to do with it. I've always been in church. So what? That that may be an outworking of the spiritual fruit in your life. 
But unless you've received the gift of eternal life and you know that it has no merit based on you, it's all what Jesus did on the cross as he died and gave his life's blood for us and cleansed us from our sin, then you're not saved. Receive the gift of salvation today because it's a gift for you to be received. Jesus has done the work. Now you have to receive it. You say, well, how would I do that? It starts by admitting you're a sinner. That you've done things that have violated God's law, his standard for your life. Just by being honest about that, just to say, I have a need for a savior. I need Jesus. Cry out to him and ask him to save you. And the scripture says that he will. The scripture says that he'll forgive you and cleanse you of all of your sins and all unrighteousness and that you'll be in relationship with God the Father brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And secondly, if, if you're a Christian this morning, if you've received the gift of salvation, are you now bearing spiritual fruit in keeping with the character of Christ? Well, there's a way that you can kind of speed that process along. You, you, you can't make fruit ripen faster than you, you really want it to. I mean, there's some things you can do. You can, you can provide water and you can maybe give it some, some fake sunshine and you can put it in a greenhouse and kind of make it a good environment for it to grow, but it still takes time. Well, how do we do that as believers? How would we know the character of Christ? It starts in our lives with the word of God. For you and I, to start this morning with the word of God. For us not to be in the word of God is to miss out on an opportunity for Christ to be able to form our character as the Holy Spirit uses verses that come to mind and, and he, he points those out perfectly in our lives. So if you're neglecting the word, you're neglecting the character of Christ being formed in your life. The second thing about that union that becomes very important is a yielding to the spirit and not the flesh. You can pick up the, the flesh anytime and, and gratify the desires of the flesh. You do it, I do it, we, we all do it. We don't have to do it. But by being filled with the Holy Spirit and relying on the word of God to be in union with Christ and, and keeping our relationship close with Christ, we will bear much fruit. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. We're gonna look at that as we go forward in this series. We're going to, to keep trying to, to work that out in our lives, but for those of us in Christ this morning, the, the question really can't be ignored. Are we bearing spiritual fruit? And for those who are not in Christ, the question can't be ignored. How long are you willing to gamble that you have. Eternity is waiting, but it may be calling today. Give your life to Christ today. Put off the flesh. Take the spirit. I want to ask you to bow your heads. And we're just going to take a few moments this morning to kind of reflect on these truths from the scripture. I just want to ask you, as you're sitting there, would you go before the Lord right now and ask the Holy Spirit to form the character of Christ in your life?
you've never given your life to Christ, you've never received the gift of salvation, why not today? The Lord is calling. He's working and he's drawing people to himself right now. Would you be saved today by just admitting your need for the Savior? Call out to him right now and be saved. Father, we pray that in the coming days, we'll look back on this season of life at Judson Baptist Church and realize we began to bear much fruit when we aligned our lives with the character of Christ. Father, help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to be the right kind of men and women in the inward parts, Lord. We ask that you would drive out selfishness and conceit and idolatry, Lord. Drive out uh, the, the need for approval of men. Drive out, Lord, uh, the desire we have for more, to covet more and to have more and for greed. And, and Lord, we pray that you would drive out the wickedness of lust in our lives, and the wickedness of hate in our lives. And that we would be an abiding church. Father, I pray for the one maybe this morning who doesn't know you, that they would receive the gift of salvation and that today they would be saved. And it's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray, amen.